All right, so we're doing this. This is the first episode to my podcast. This has been something uh, on the back burner for quite some time and uh, today's the day, guys. It's transpiring in this way. Um, so last year, uh, I went on a spiritual trip. Uh, I went for pilgrimage as well, and then I met up with my mentor and a lot of things trans fired from that um, and I was going through so much rapid healing and getting in touch with myself at a very rapid rate and it it only kept me sane to write things down so I started writing these things down and that's what's transpiring now as a book so writing a book um, with no set timeline or deadline this is just uh, for me to put things down and for things and I realized what a selfish thing to just keep it to myself and not share from it. Um, today is Bell Let's Talk Day. Um, and I thought this would be the perfect day to break through. So I'm going to be reading from my book, one of the chapters. This is, in, this is not in, in order. This is one of the later chapters. And um, you will be journeying with me, um, or you're invited to journey with me on uh, this chapter of my life. It begins with the heading, I never saw tears in her eyes. So I'll be reading it through. Um, it's written out over here. I wish that I had it out here. I love the book uh, in a physical form and maybe one day it'll get to that. But for now, um, you'll see me reading through the screen over here. At age 18, I moved out of the care of my parents to Canada for my undergrad. It was more of a running away. I was so eager to finally be away from a home where parents lashed out each at each other at any given opportunity, and the only moments of peace were my nights. I often stayed up at night to enjoy the silence. Or I'd find a dark, silent corner around the house to just get a few moments of peace to myself usually in the drawing room where no one was permitted unless guests arrived. I would visit them for about two weeks, but never got to spend much time of my adult life with them. I never wanted to. I knew hell would break loose within a few days, and I hated being back in the same vicious cycle. On one such visit, I left within seven days, feeling so much internal pain, it numbed me. I remember being driven to the airport by my dad who was taking, who was asking me to reconsider, but I felt so out of my body, I couldn't feel my arms or legs or the fact that my body was touching the car seat. My parents had pointed blame at each other for my entire life and I was stuck trying to constantly figure out who was right and who was wrong. I grew up sick of this tug of war and just drowned myself in my books. At that time, J.K. Rowling, Robin Cook, and Dan Brown were my parents. The only time my parents would stop going down at each other's throats was when I'd be studying. So I studied the hell out of my brains, often blasting, Why I Become So Numb by Linkin Park on my headphones. Nevertheless, I excelled in my school and then in my country, but it meant nothing to me. I started journaling perhaps when I was in grade seven and dabbled with sketching and painting. I had a creative mind and soon turned to writing poetry and into self-discovery. 
I suppose I felt the father-daughter connection always and would begin to favor dad even when it made no sense. Mom remained emotionally disconnected and was hard to be around her or favor her. This turned into hate and growing distance years later. Our parents would feed us hate against each other, sometimes indirectly by their body language and expressions, other times directly by verbal vomit. I remember two particular instances where dad said, your mother is sick psychologically, so don't mind her. And mom would say things like, this man suffers from an inherited problem. It wasn't until I began resolving these hurts that I begin to see the individual truths. My mother had been wronged and was stuck in her past pains that I didn't hear of till I spent the most, the longest time as an adult with her in these four months in Pakistan at the age of 32. Not that anything changed in them this time. They were still the parents who pretty much at this point detested each other. In fact, prior to my tip, my trip, dad had sent me a long message stating he was considering a divorce. Not that he hadn't said this many times before. I remember we sat in a circle on the massive Persian carpet in my parents' room and my mom started taking off her rings and dad began by saying something like, we will always be your parents, but this isn't working. Another time I remember him coming up to me saying, I'll always be your dad and your mother. The happy family I would picture together in my thoughts during these late nights would fall apart again and again. The pain was never ending. I turned religious as a kid. My parents would proudly say, we never have to ask her to pray. I started diving deep into religious texts and would attend after school religious classes and such. I thought if I became the best person religiously, then the God that is capable of everything would be happy with me and fix my parents. Yep, I had learned that it was, I was not enough from a very young age. This showed up in me as the overachiever and people pleaser I was. A wound this deep into childhood showed up in my life as trust issues, a wounded feminine and a wounded masculine. I formed a belief that women were always weak and to be strong meant to be more masculine. So I took on a tomboyish appearance and attitude, suppressed my feminine self that later showed up as debilitating menses pain, mistrust in any women around me and the debt of my creative expression. I would attract wounded masculine men as partners that would then affirm the very wound I had. My parents had trust issues with each other and never shared financials. In fact, they did everything to hide it from each other. My dad won the millionaire lottery and my mom find, found out when friends of his called home to congratulate her. Mom would ask us for a part of our EV so she could meet some of her needs. Seeing this led me to believe money was evil and had to be protected. I tried to rid myself of any money I had in excess, often giving it off as donation. These money wounds thwarted the way I wanted to be successful in my career and business. After I met my guru, my spiritual mentor, it probably took over 10 years of inner work before I reached a place where I could forgive myself and free the kid inside of me who held herself responsible for unhappy parents. I finally then reached a place of love and care for myself. I finally built strength and self-worth and could step back into a peaceful and loving relationship with my parents. I knew when to draw boundaries and how not to be enmeshed with their personal wounds. I accepted them for who they were, two beings who like me had their own wounds and needed work.
As Maulana Rumi says, out beyond ideas of wrongdoing and right doing, there is a field. I'll meet you there. Today, I see my mom as a fierce, kind, and loving feminine. Sure, she has her wounds and her flaws, but they matter not. Because when I look at her, I finally see her as a whole. Just as I finally began to see myself as a whole, accepting the parts that I need to work on. When I begin to focus on her wounded self more than her whole self, I know I need to go within and connect with the part of me that is being activated as a result. As my guru explained that everything is connected, everyone, every situation is an acting mirror, reflecting a reality within. If you choose to look at life this way, then you know everything and everyone is here to teach you something about yourself. So if I experience anger, it's not because someone is causing it, it's because something within me is perpetuating it. Something within me is angry with itself. When I view the way my parents treated each other, it provoked a lot of anger. In reality, the anger is not towards my parents, but towards myself for feeling helpless in that situation. As Milana Rumi says, these pains you feel are messengers, listen to them. And as my guru further explained, emotions are messengers. They bring a message from within. Listen to them. Don't suppress them. The only emotion I really saw my mother express was anger. So of course, anger was my reaction to most things, especially injustice or hurt. And then I realized I never saw tears in her eyes. In 32 years of my life and hers, I never saw my mother sad or in tears. In a distant memory, I may have seen her eyes glisten when she bid me goodbye at the airport when I left for Canada. And in a very alive memory, I remember her locking herself up in her room for days after a feud with dad, coming out only at night to eat a bit. She hid her sadness and bottled it in. In these four months I spent with her, we grew to closer as mother and daughter. She shared stories from her childhood and we teased each other as friends. I grew affectionate and close. I'd often act like a two-year-old to draw more love out of her, perhaps to make up for lost years. And then one day while she was sharing a hurt from the past, as I was emailing away on the laptop, I looked up and I saw her squeeze her eyes shut for a few moments. I thought she shut them trying to recall something from her memory to narrate. She opened them and said, every time I think of this, it brings tears to my eyes. Even in that moment, the woman drowned her own tears. Unlike me, who is a flowing fountain of tears at any opportunity, why was my mother's fountain not flowing? Why didn't she let down her tears? Why has she never? I'm not a mother or a parent, but I know enough about generational training they received. Showing weakness, let alone to your children, is prohibited. I remember the time her dad passed away and she was minutes away in a car trying to get to him. And even then on the phone call with me, her voice did not stutter. I remember being not too different in my early 20s, modeling down my emotions of sadness, anger, frustration, and a dozen more. We did not do emotions. We did not do I love yous, thank yous, or sorry. The Canadian me got me around the sorry bit, but it was still a struggle to utter it at home. I still haven't been able to infiltrate my conversations with I love yous yet. Perhaps a few with dad, but I'm quick to revoke them. 
The love I perceived I received was often conditional upon being good at school or based on accomplishments, rewarded with a verbal praise or a monetary gift. And so when I began mistrusting love, my least favorite language of love became words of praise or receiving gifts. Receiving gifts being the worst of them all because it had, it had the evil touch of money. I was the accomplisher amongst my siblings. So I received more praise and they received words of reprimand. This drove my mistrust in love deeper. I hated seeing my siblings hurt. When you start mistrusting love, you eventually deprive yourself of it from those around you and more importantly, from your own self. But how can one survive without love? Even a newborn needs love within its first few moments of life. This led to a strong disconnect with myself and into depression or what I truly think of as spiritual depression. Because really what I disconnected from was the true essence of myself, which is love. The depression was really about not being able to get into the expression of self. You truly feel the death of self and no wonder one has societal ideations. The pain here is not about wrongs, the anger, the hate, but rather the distance created from yourself as a result of not understanding the anger, the hate and the wrongs. I was so out of myself, I felt numb to the loving hug of a friend or any words of comfort. Your emotions were a call from within, from your essence to re reconnect to yourself, to pay attention to a part of you that was experiencing something, to give it your care and understanding. But I was never taught this till I met my guru. I was always taught otherwise to shut them down. And thank the Lord, I allowed myself to experience one emotion, that of anger that I couldn't bottle down she had a mind of her own and a will of her own. She is probably why I'm alive. So in the next chapter, we'll be discussing the emotion that kept me alive, anger.